Good morning. I am Clark Zonbreaker, and I get to be the director of ministry here at Antioch Brighton. That's right. It's a very awesome, fun, fun job. I love, I love working with who I get to work with. I'm really excited that you guys are here this morning, and I'm very excited that the Lord is here this morning. That's why I got out of bed this morning, honestly. Um, so, if you were here last week, you, uh, you got to hear Mark's message. Mark shared um, a timely uh, vision for us at Antioch Brighton. It's, it's a, a word that we feel like God is speaking for this season. And if you haven't listened to it, I encourage you, go to our website, Antioch, just type in Antioch Brighton in the Google and go to sermons, and I encourage you to listen to that message, um, because we really believe it is a, it's a significant word that God has for us. But I'm going to sum it up for you. The, the phrase that Mark used last week is that, that God, there's a, a sense that, that in this season, God is releasing a wave of the prophetic that will release apostolic initiatives in Antioch, Greater Boston. I'm going to say that again. That just sounds cool. It's like, even if you don't know what that means, it just kind of, well, that's cool. That sounds great. God is releasing a wave of the prophetic that will release apostolic initiatives in Antioch, Greater Boston. Now, apostolic initiatives, basically what, what that means, just any kind of kingdom advancing initiative. We believe that we're in the season, God's, we're going to see an increase of those being released, whether those are life groups, ideas for outreaches, um, churches being planted, any initiative that advances God's kingdom in Boston and around. That's what we're believing. So there's a, we actually we have a book table. It's kind of, it's maybe it might not be big enough to be considered a table. But if you look back there, there's a sign that says, Value Your Education. And appropriately, right underneath that sign, that's not our sign, that's the school sign, there's a little table with some books. And what we, what we wanted to do is just to provide a few books like, hey, how, you know, how can we really press in more to the season what we sense God is, is, is saying? And so we asked ourselves, what's a book about, what's one of the best books that we could think of as a staff when it comes to learning how to hear God's voice? And so we have this book over there, it's called, Is That Really You, God? Anyone, has anyone read this before? It's a really, really awesome book. Um, it, a lot of stories are in it. And so um, if, if you, if you, if you want to read it, if you want to get a copy, grab a copy. Um, we suggest that you donate $8, but if you, if you don't have any money, college students, just take a book. It's okay, just take a book. Um, but before, before I get started, does anyone have a birthday March 23rd who has not read this book? Anyone's birthday, March 23rd, or around March 23rd? Okay. Oh, well, well, if I give this book, book to her, will her parents read it? Okay, come and get it, Zach. Okay. March 22nd, okay. That was not a word of knowledge. The March 23rd, basically, that's just six months from today, so it's the farthest possible way. Your birthday is, 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 is uh, six months out, so um, it's going to be a while before you get presents, so I thought I would give you a present today. Um, so, now, okay, back, back to this, this, uh, 
this, this word for this season. So there's a principle that we see in Scripture that often when God is about to move, when God's about to do something big or something small, that God rarely keeps it a secret. Okay, did you realize that? So we can see this at different places in Scripture. One place, you know, it's all over the place, but let's just consider Christ's birth. Okay, just read in the Gospels. It's like there's people are seeing angels. People are having dreams. There are signs in the, the heavens. There are uh, people, you know, uh, in the temple who God says, hey, you're going to see the, the Christ. And so God often doesn't keep it a secret. He starts sharing about what he's going to do. I wouldn't be surprised if you can see this pattern in your own life. I know I can. Um, if at any time since you've been walking with Jesus, any time where, where God has initiated some kind of major shift or, or change in your life, that it's often preceded by uh, him speaking, an increase of the prophetic, what, we, what you could call the prophetic. Prophetic is just God speaking. There's an increase of that in our lives. I've certainly seen that. Um, in Natalie's in my life over the last few years, as we were in Austin sensing that there was some kind of transition, um, before we got to Boston, there are a lot of these things happening. So, probably the clearest that I know where this principle is stated is Amos 3.7. And it might be up there, but it says this, For the Lord God does nothing without revealing his secret to his servants the prophet. Isn't that an interesting verse? Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants the prophets. So, in the Old Testament, Old Covenant, there are, a couple, there are these handful of prophets. They're the ones who heard from the Lord. But there's really great news because in the New Covenant, we're a prophetic people. You are a prophet. I'm a prophet. Okay? We are a prophetic people. And so it says here that the Lord does nothing without revealing his secret to his servants, the prophet. And here's the deal. This is why. Okay? Why does God do nothing without revealing his plan to the prophets? It's because he's looking for human partnership. There's so many things. God can do it on his own. He doesn't need us. Do you realize that? God does not need us. He can do whatever he wants by himself, okay? In the same way that when I'm doing something at home, I'm working on a project, I can do it by myself. I don't need my children to help me, okay? But my children really want to help me. And so sometimes I let them help me. It actually takes me probably three times as long to accomplish what I set out to do because I'm allowing my children to help me. Why do I let my children help me? Because I like to have them around. Okay? The Lord is even so much more loving of a father than that. He looks, whenever he's about to move, he looks for our partnership. He's inviting us in to work with him and whatever it is that he's wanting to release. Okay, so, with, with a word like what Mark shared last week, the question is, Okay, if God's inviting us into partnership, if that's, partnership, if that's what the prophetic wave is about, it's, it's not just that we believe that God's going to be releasing apostolic initiatives. It's like, no, there's going to be a prophetic wave that releases these initiatives. So if God's wanting to release this, this prophetic wave, how can we partner? If he's wanting to partner with us, how do we partner? So we're going to look at a verse this morning, a passage that I believe holds... Uh, some, uh, some of the answer to that question. How do we partner with the Lord? What's the Lord inviting us to do in this season? Okay, so 
This is a passage that many of us are familiar with, undoubtedly. Let's see here. Okay. We're going to look at a conversation between Jesus and a woman that he met while traveling. If you have your Bible or an app or a screen in front of you with the passage, you just draw your attention to the passage. Uh, this is John chapter 4. Undoubtedly, many of us are familiar with this passage. I'm going to read it. And after, after reading it, we're going to go back, double back to the start and kind of wander, you know, walk through it at a slower pace. So, now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For the disciples had gone in, away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me? A, a woman of Samaria, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. A sorry, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it, himself, from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. So if we read on, which we're not going to do this morning, they have a discussion about the nature of worship. Jesus has a word of knowledge for her. That's a, a bit of information that Jesus received uh, supernaturally from God, the Father. And it results that he comes back into Judea at a strategic time during a feast, starts a fire, meaning he does a miracle, he speaks some truth. The religious people get really angry, and then he goes back to Galilee, waits a little bit. Then he comes back to Jerusalem for another feast. So it's really awesome. I mean, Jesus was his, his strategy. He is really strategic in what he did. Okay, so he's going back to Galilee, and they're going through Samaria because the shortest distance between point A and point B is what? A straight line, right? So he's going, to, going back to Samaria. So Jesus and the disciples, they get to Samaria around noon, around lunchtime. That's what the sixth hour means. His disciples run into town to get some food for them. And it says that Jesus was weary from his travel. I just, when I run into little things like that, I'm just like, I pause, just, thank you, Jesus, you were weary. Jesus, if you've ever, if you've ever been weary, if you've ever been physically exhausted, if you've ever been emotionally exhausted, whatever kind of form weariness takes, Jesus knows. Jesus has experienced weariness. And there's just something about that, that that comforts me. So he sits by the well because he's thirsty. And apparently he didn't pack a bucket and a rope that morning. 
And so he has no way to get water out of the well, so he's just going to kind of sit there and wait for the first person to come. And lo and behold, a woman approaches the well to draw water. And Jesus asks her for a sip. He says, would you give me some water to drink? Now, something about Jesus gave away the fact that he was a Jew, okay, to the Samaritan woman. Because she keys in immediately, you're a Jew, you're not a Samaritan. Okay, I think it was probably his accent. In Galilee, they had a different accent. Um, Matter of fact, when Peter was around the fire in the high priest's court, that's what gave him away. They said, you you, your accent, you're one of Jesus' followers. He's like, no, I'm not. So there's this distinctive accent uh, that the Galileans had. And do you, do you guys know, an accent can like betray to others where you're from. You, you know that. I, I learned that a year ago. I spoke on Sunday morning, and I, I thought it was a pretty good message. And I, I went to a staff meeting a couple days later, and I walked in the room, and Mark said, hey, Clark. Say the word N-A-K-E-D. I said, naked. The whole room just started laughing. I'm like, what? And they're just, say it again. So apparently the word is naked, not naked. And I, my accent betrayed how south, southern I am. But, you know, it's potato, potato, right? Naked, naked. Um, so his accent betrays him, assumingly, and she responds by taking offense at, towards Jesus, okay? He asks her for water, and she takes offense. Now, here's the reason she takes offense at his request. The, another little history lesson, um, Samaria is located in what was previously the northern kingdom of Israel, Okay? And then a long time ago, 722 B.C., the Assyrians, this mega nation, came to, to northern is, the northern kingdom and, and took over and basically exiled, took out all the Israelites, but left a few of them and then put in their place into northern Israel these different uh, peoples from different nations. And so over time, these Israelites that were left behind and these other nations mixed and what did you end up with was a mixed race with a kind of a syncretistic religion, okay? So as far as the Jews were concerned, the Samaritans were mudbloods, okay? And they despised the Samaritans so much that when Jesus wanted to teach a lesson to, to his disciples or, or to uh, the crowd, when he wanted to teach them how we are called to love everyone, who did he use in his parable? The Samaritan, right? The parable of the Good Samaritan. That was the extreme. It's like, I'm going to teach them that you even have to love Samaritans. So Samaritans were looked down on. They were despised by Jews. And so this woman is offended by Jesus. She takes offense at him. So Jesus doesn't seem to be too concerned about her offense. And Jesus responds to her. Jesus hardly ever answers the question that you ask, right? I mean, he's always like, what? You know, you're, you ask this question, and, and he answers the right question, which is up here. And he's like trying to pull you up to his level by answering the question that you should be asking. So anyway, Jesus says, 
Jesus responds and says, hey, if you knew the hour of, of human history that you're living in right now, and that if you knew that in relatively a couple of minutes, God was about to release to humanity the most incredible gift you could ever imagine. If you knew that, and if you knew, if you realized that the ambassador of heaven who bears this gift is standing right before you right now, we'd be having a different conversation. I wouldn't be the one asking you for water. You'd be the one asking me for water. That's how Jesus responds. He says, you would have been asking me for living water. Now, it's important to pause the narrative real quick because when we read this, when I read this, and I think most of us who are familiar with this passage, when we read living water, we automatically think of this spiritual reality, the Holy Spirit, right? When you hear living water, that's kind of generally what comes to our minds. Well, that's not what came to her mind. The reason that's what comes to our minds is because we have John seven thirty nine that we've read, where it explains to us what, living, what Jesus means when he says living water. But this, to this woman, do you know what living water meant? Living water. Okay? Living water is, is, is in contrast to like sitting water. Okay? It's water that moves. It's dynamic. It bubbles. It's a spring. It's alive. Okay? So this, this woman is interpreting living water literally. And you can see that in her response. She says, well, you don't have anything to get the water with. What, what are you talking about? Where are you going to get this water? So, she is uh, a little, she's still a little offended. She's like, who do you think you are? You think you're better than Jacob, who gave us this well? You think you've got this other water that's superior to what our, the patriarch Jacob gave to us? So, she's taking a little bit more offense. And I think that not only is she being offended, but, but I think there's reason to believe that she probably thought Jesus was, a, was she was starting to realize, like, this guy's a little crazy. Okay, now, of course, we don't think that when we read this passage. But let me, let me paint, a, uh, let me tell, create a, a different illustration. Um, so, but first, here's, here's, he's, here's what Jesus says. So he goes on to say that whoever drinks the water that I will give him, you'll never be thirsty again because that water that I give them will become in them a spring of water that wells up forever. Okay. Oh, that's so beautiful, spiritual language. No, she has no idea. This is literal to her. So imagine you're at the gas station tonight. You're coming home from a friend's house. It's 12 12 a.m. You're at the gas station. No one's around. Um, You're filling up your tank, and somebody walks up to you, this just lone traveler, and they're like, hey, can I get some change for, you know, something or other? And I'm sure you would normally give them the change, but in this story, just imagine that you didn't for some reason. You didn't have change or whatever. You say, no. And they, and they say in response, well, actually, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for a $100 bill. And I would give you that $100 bill. And when you put that $100 bill in your pocket, that $100 bill would become an infinite supply of $100 bills. That would never run dry. Okay, what are you thinking? Are you thinking, whoa, this must be a prophet. This must, some spirit, no way. You're like, Okay, and you're, wait, you're asking me for some change, and you have these magic $100 bills? <laughs> like, okay, you know. So I, I imagine there's, this, there's that element of this, and that when she says, 
Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have, have to come here to draw water. I imagine she's saying that as she's backing away with her bucket. You know, it's like, oh, that's nice. Tell me where to get this water. Okay. So here, here's, here's another, another thing that I think will help us understand the story. It's uh, understand the context. Um, can you get my pretty image? Okay. Now, ignore, ignore the Shutterstock uh, watermark. You have to pay extra for that. <laughs> so I spared no expense in using this graphic this morning. You pay double for the Shutterstock. Um, okay. So the context of this, this, not parable, this story is a well, right? They're at Jacob's well. And Jesus is talking about water. So there's something that we need to understand about wells. Okay? Now, I have never taken a class on hydrology. If you happen to be a hydrologist in the house, have mercy on me. I don't know what I'm talking about. I just know a couple little simple things I'm going to share. Okay. In this passage, there's two types of wells. Okay? There's, the well, there's Jacob's well, the physical well that, that they're sitting by. And basically what you have is, you have underground, you have this, it's an aquifer. It's this, you know, body of water underground. You've got to dig a hole to that, if you want to get, get, get that water. Once you dig your hole, you've got to either pump that water up or throw a bucket down. You've got to somehow get the water up to you, right? So that's, that's, that was Jacob's well. You can see on the left here, water well. And there's, you know, it's see the water, and so you got to go in and get it. Okay, then the second kind of well, which Jesus is talking about, is what we would call today an artesian well, okay? And that's the one that's in the middle. So that's, you have an aquifer with an artesian well as well, but the deal with that aquifer, stick with me, guys. All right, I know it's Sunday, we're not at school, but just stick with me, this is really good stuff. This is going to help us understand Jesus. What, what Jesus is saying. So, you've got this. Oh, look, I even got a, I even had a remote control. And I didn't use it. Just so I could do this. Boom. Okay, so, you've got this artesian well that's also a well. It also has an aquifer, but there's one difference. This aquifer here is a confined aquifer. It's under an immense amount of pressure. So that, when you dig this hole... What happens? The water just it springs up. You don't have to go get it, right? It's just springing up. That's the natural state of an artesian well. So when Jesus is talking about this water, he's painting the picture for us of what we would call an artesian well. The water is living as opposed to sitting water. It's sitting there. You've got to go get it. Living water, it's dynamic. It's, whoosh, it's bursting to the surface. Okay, that's, that's important for us to understand. So, now that we understand that the lady was taking Jesus literally and we understand a little bit more about wells, um, what, was, what was Jesus saying? So, what, what, was, what was he saying? The interesting thing is, he never explains to her, hey, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. It, as far as we see, we don't know when she finds that out. Um, the only reason we know he's talking about the Holy Spirit is because in John 7, Jesus says, Come to me if you're thirsty. Anyone who believes in me, rivers of living water will flow from your inmost being. And then John, the gospel writer, says, Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit, which hadn't been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. I don't know if it was 
Pentecost, when they realized, like, oh, that's what Jesus was talking about. Regardless, we know what Jesus was talking about. We have, we, we have understanding that Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. So here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, when you drink this well, when you go down, pull up this water, and you drink it, and you go home with your bucket, and you drink it, you're going to get thirsty again, and you're going to have to come back to this well. But I'm going to give a living water. Okay, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. That when you take a sip, that sip is going to become a source, an infinite supply. You're going to have an aquifer in you. And it's not sitting water, it's living water. It's going to flow. It's going to well up and spring up to eternal life. So Jesus is saying, and we know from other places in Scripture, if you are a believer, God has given you the gift of himself. The Genesis 1 spirit that hovered over the, the, the earth and brought creation into existence, that spirit lives in you. It lives in me. And the natural state is... That's the natural state. You were made to overflow. Everyone say, I was made to overflow. I don't care. I don't care if that's your experience. I don't care if that's your experience. Jesus here, the way he's breaking it down for us, is that we were made to overflow. So, what exactly does that mean when we, we overflow? Because we were created, you were made to overflow. Pick, picture that artesian spring. Bad day, good day, there's just water spraying everywhere. You don't have to pump, pump it up or do some jumping jacks or whatever. It's just flowing up, okay? <laughs> so there's, there's a personal dynamic here. Jesus is talking about the Samaritan woman's thirst. He's like, hey, when you, when you get, get a hold of this, your, your thirst, that spiritual thirst that you have for love, for joy, for life, for meaning, purpose, whatever it is, all that stuff, that for life, this is going to satisfy it. But it's more than just for a personal thing. There's, God's intent is that this overflow gets everyone in your vicinity wet. Okay? It's not just for me. It's not just for my spiritual thirst. It's for the people in my vicinity. And so when we look at the book of Acts and, and we see the story, the different stories of when the Holy Spirit came upon people, filled people, we see often there are certain things that they describe what happens afterwards. Okay? We see sometimes it says that people spoke in tongues. Sometimes it says people prophesied. Sometimes it says people uh, proclaimed the word boldly. And they mix these things up each time. It's never the same. But I'll tell you what is the same. Spirit-inspired speech. All three of those things are spirit-inspired speech. Okay? When, we're, when those, the early church was filled with the Spirit, what happened next was spirit-inspired speech. When you look at 1 Corinthians 12, Mark looked at the different gifts last week. The nine gifts. Majority of them have to do with spirit-inspired speech speech, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, speaking in tongues, interpreting tongues, the gift of faith, spirit-inspired speech. So here's the point. Your mouth 
is the primary spout where the life flows out. <laughs> where the Spirit pours out. It's right here. It's your mouth. It's not the only one. It's not the only one by any means. But I believe that, according to Scripture, it is the primary place where that, when Jesus talks about that, that living water gushing out of us, that it's, that it's primarily, it's coming from our mouths. Many different, it takes many different forms, many different expressions. So, the reason this is important is because we, Antioch, Greater Boston, we're entering a season where we believe God is releasing it. It's not he's going to, he's already doing it. He's releasing a prophetic wave, okay? A wave of an increase of him speaking. There's going to be an increase of dreams, increase of things. And this is an all-hands-on-deck season. This isn't for the five people who are going to sit up front and, and prophesy. No, we are a prophetic people, and it's all hands on deck. And we need to understand, each one of us, that you were made to overflow, okay? And that this is the spout where it's going to come out, <laughs> all right? But there's a problem. I have a problem. This is not always my experience. Anyone else would say, okay, that sounds nice, like, I'm overflowing. That, that is, I have not experienced that since maybe, you know, three years ago. That's my experience. I am not always like Jesus said. So what gives, okay? Either Jesus is wrong or I'm wrong. Which one is it? <laughs> Here's the deal. It's not, because I'm, there's, it's not because I need to get something I don't have. Okay, if you're not overflowing, it's not because there's something that you need to get a hold of that you don't have. Paul acknowledges this, acknowledges this reality when he says, hey, in Ephesians 5.18, keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. Keep it up. Keep doing it. It's not a one and done. It's something we keep doing. And here's the reason why. Here's one reason why. We have an enemy who wants to do everything within his power to keep you from overflowing, okay? To keep that, that Holy Spirit, Genesis 1 Holy Spirit, from flowing out of your life, flowing out of your words, okay? It's an it's a, it's a age-old strategy in wartime to cut off your enemy's water supply. If they, you know, you cut off the water that goes into the city, and then you just sit back and wait. Eventually, they're going to get thirsty, and they're going to come out, and we, we've, we've got them. Okay, this, this is an age-old uh, military tactic. Now, we can see there's an example of this in the Bible, which is really cool. I'm not going to pull up the scripture, but in Genesis 26, we see that there are these wells that Abraham had dug. And then, after Abraham died, the Philistines came, who were the enemies of Israel, and what did they do? They plugged the wells up, okay? Isaac comes, and he's like, oh, you know, sometime later, Isaac's like, oh, these are our wells. And so, they reopened the wells, okay? And even some of the wells, it says in Genesis 26, were what we would call artesian. They're springs, and people got in fights with Isaac and his people. They're like, hey, we want this spring. The spring is valuable. You know, we want this thing. So here's the deal. The enemy is devoted to getting, with our cooperation, to sticking whatever he can to jam up that overflowing well of life. It can be pride, shame, an unclean conscience. That'll get in the way. Bitterness. For my big, one of my biggest ones is stress. Um, any lie 
uh, any unforgiveness, anything the enemy can get his hands on, he's dead set on plugging that flow, plugging that well. But here's the, here's the good news, guys. You were made to overflow. It is your natural state. It's your natural state. It's what you look like when you're not even thinking about it. You were made to overflow. I believe that we're in a season that, that one way that we respond to this word that Mark shared that, that we're going to be hearing about more in this season is that we need, it's time to reopen the wells. We need to keep the well open, okay? As a community, as individuals, we need to keep the wells open. Proverbs 4.23 says, with all diligence, keep your heart, protect it, for from it flows the wellsprings of life. Okay. So it's an all-hands-on-deck season, guys. We need all of us hearing the Lord and being who we are, flowing, letting God's life, words flow out of us. So we're going to have a time of response, and I want to invite the worship team up. And here's what I want us to do. I... I want to invite you just as, as when I'm done talking and they start playing, just let's just believe Jesus' word. Jesus, you said that if anyone drank the water that you gave them, that that water would become in them a well of, of, of spring water that springs up. Okay, just be, let's, be, let's choose to believe that this morning. And let's thank Jesus. What a good gift he gave us, the Holy Spirit. Let's thank him for it. And I would encourage you that, that as, we, as we respond and the, the worship team plays, some of you, you just, you just going to have to, you just got to open your mouth, open the spout. Let that river flow out. I believe there's some of us who've, who've there's, you, you've, uh, God's given you spiritual language before in your past, but for whatever reason, I'm talking about tongues, for whatever reason, you convince yourself out of it, it wasn't real, or is this, it's time to reopen the well, okay? Or you believe, oh, God doesn't speak to me, or God doesn't use me, it's time to reopen the well. Get that, get that lie as far away from you as you possibly can, okay? I want to invite you, so when God speaks, we act, Okay? Everyone say that. When God speaks, we act. I do these things with my kids. Like, I don't repeat daddy. When God speaks, we act. Okay. Here's act. We first thing we do is we agree. It's an acronym. Woo! When God speaks, we act. First thing we do is we agree. So if the Lord highlights something this morning in these next 10 minutes, it could be like a place of unforgiveness or whatever it is. There's probably a lot of stuff in there. And he knows where to start. But as he highlights something, the first thing we do is we agree. We say, well, if you say so, Jesus. If you say so, Jesus, you're correct. I agree with you. If you say that's an issue in my life, yes, sir. Okay? We agree. The second one is, the C is, we confess it. So I encourage you, find someone in your life. It can be this morning. It can be this afternoon. But share it with someone. Hey. God showed me this in my life, and I just, I want to share it with you. I, wanna, I don't want to just keep it to myself. There's power 
and confessing to each other, to one another. Okay, the last thing, the T is we turn. Agree? You're absolutely right. I do have unforgiveness. We confess it. Maybe I say, hey, I just want you to know so-and-so that, man, I've just realized today I've got this, this, this unforgiveness in my heart towards my brother or my sister. And then we turn. We head in the other direction. We head towards forgiveness. And this isn't a one-and-done thing. We go A-C-T, A-C-T. We just, this is how we live from now on. Every day, every moment, we're just acting. We're responding to the Lord's voice, okay? So we're going to worship. You can respond where you are. If you'd like to come to the front and just kind of stand and worship um, and have someone pray for you, come to the front. You don't have to. If you are, if there's people up at the front and you are a, a college life group leader or a young adult life group leader or a family life group leader or you consider yourself one of those, feel free to come up and just lay a hand on someone who's up here and pray for them. Is that clear? Does that sound good? Okay. So I'm going to pray and then hand it off. Father, we love you. We love your word. We love you. Jesus, your word, your spirit and life. And if there's anything you're wanting to highlight, anything you want to say right now, we say, we're listening. We are listening. And you're going to find hearts that agree with you, that are quick to agree with you. Thank you, Lord. Make us a people who overflow.